You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. I want to uh, just encourage you that every week uh, you can bring someone with you. And we're in a series uh, this summer called The Test. We're looking at a series of character tests that we must all pass, right, in order to fulfill, to fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for us. And when I talk about uh, these character tests, you've got to believe that our character counts. Your character counts. My character counts. And without the character of God on the inside of us, we're going to be stunted in our growth. We will not go as far as God wants to take us if we don't make it through some of these tests. Now, this test, uh, the series, is based on the life of Joseph. And apparently, Joseph is a big deal in the book of Genesis. There's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, and the last 14 are about Joseph and his story from dreams to the conclusion. And uh, just 14 chapters out of 50 compared to two chapters on the creation account, four chapters for Abraham, and 14 for for uh, uh, Joseph, it's a big deal. And God's plan is seen in Joseph's life. Even though the family of origin for him was not ideal, we mentioned the last couple weeks that Joseph's family was dysfunctional and messed up. There's favoritism and there's lying and scheming and, and different things. And that's good news. If you come and you say, man, my family's messed up too, or I, you know, my, my background is, you know, I made some mistakes. Listen, if you come from lack of money or lack of status or lack of anything, look at the story of Joseph because out of this dysfunction comes Joseph's story, and it's a beautiful story how God, uh, God worked in his life. And I think it's an example that just because there's dysfunction in your family, you do not have to pass that on from generation to generation. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. Well, the story starts with Joseph having a dream, and we've studied that. And, and uh, he's a young man, 17 years old. And let me just speak to all the students here that God can speak to your heart just like he did for Joseph. And let me speak to all the, to the oldest of us as well here. God can speak. He is speaking to us when we listen. But in Joseph's story, he hears these dreams, and then it's a lot of waiting and I'm talking a whole lot of waiting, years of waiting. But it's interesting that in Psalm 105, talking about Joseph's life, it says this. It says, until the time came to fulfill the dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. And I think God does that for each of us. He takes us through some things to shape us and to mold us. In fact, at the end of the story in Genesis 50, uh, verse 20, Joseph is reflecting and he's saying to his brothers, look, what you intended to do me harm, God intended it all for good. God brings us through these things to help us, to help us to be all 
that he wants us to be. Now, Joseph was a dreamer, and we've declared that this summer is a summer of dreams. How many are enjoying that, right? We are dreaming. We're asking God for fresh ideas. We're, we're saying, hey, dream again, or don't stop dreaming, or ask God for a new dream, because God, he will speak to us, and he's going to lead us and to guide us uh, throughout this season of our lives. I believe everyone has a dream, something that ignites your heart on fire. Everyone has purpose. But sadly, many people don't live up to their dream, to the potential. They don't get to that place of destiny. And it's often because of their character, and they don't make it through. And we're going to address that on Sunday mornings all summer long, looking at different character tests. And so that's Sunday mornings. But we also get stuck because we don't dream big enough. And that's what we're going to be addressing on Wednesday nights. We're going through the Draw the Circle. It's a prayer devotional. We started it this past Wednesday night. It's not too late. You can join us this week on Wednesday night. We've got a copy of this for you, and you can walk with us for 40 days. And really, the idea is dreaming dreams, our, kind of addressing our biggest dreams and our greatest fears. And uh, this devotional has been incredible. We'll hear more from that. And so we got Sunday mornings talking about character. And then on Wednesday nights, talking about our big dreams. And this summer, we're encouraging you to meld those two. And we have said that we're going to work on our character, but we are also, look at this, we're going to believe big, we're going to pray big, and we're going to receive big this summer in Jesus' name. And some of you, when you see this, you say, okay, that sounds really good for someone else. Because you don't know the circumstances I'm in. You don't know where I struggle. Or you don't know this or that. Well, listen, the case is you may not be in a place where you think that God is working uh, in any kind, of ex, uh, expect, ex, uh, any kind of way, but God is. You may be saying, where is God? Or why did God let this happen to me? Or what have I done to deserve? And you fill in the blank. But I, I want to encourage you with a verse that I've turned to so many times over the years. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the love chapter, but at the very end, it talks about the fact that we look through a dim glass on this side of eternity. Look what it says. It says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, that's talking about eternity. It says, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. And so don't fret, even though we don't see everything clearly. It's almost like we, we can only see our trial. We can only see the mountain in front of us or, or the pit that we find ourselves in. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But listen, God, he knows the beginning from the end. And we're going to see today that he's with us and he's, he helps us no matter what. Now, last week we addressed the first test. This first character test was the pride test. And God was working on all of us. And boy, I'll tell you, this is a tough one. We all face this. But we kind of determined, looking at Joseph's story, that Joseph really was humble. He wasn't perfect. I'm sure he struggled with pride at some point. But we believe he had passed the pride test. And it reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, that says, So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what Joseph did. And then at the right time, 
He will lift you up to honor. And we're going to see that in Joseph's story as it progresses. Now, Joseph gets a lot of praise. We know he's not perfect. He's no Jesus. But uh, he faces these tests with a, with a lot of grace. And we're encouraged to do the same. And so first week was the pride test. Today, we're looking at the second test and what we're calling the pit test. And the pit test describes or represents when nothing seems to go right. How many have ever been there? Come on. You've been there before. You're stuck. Or maybe it's a season of discouragement or depression. Or maybe it's when Murphy's Law is in full effect. And Murphy's Law, if you don't know, is that if anything can go wrong, come on, say it with me, it will go wrong. And I was thinking about that, that Murphy's Law. I'm like, man, what in the world? And then I ran across a verse. It reminded me, John 16, says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace. But look what it says. That little phrase in the middle says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. So maybe it's not Murphy's Law. Maybe it's God's Law. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, either way, we're going to have some trials. We're going to have some sorrow. And pits, when you find ourselves in a pit, it's just one form of that trial or sorrow. It's a product of our fallen world, the reality of why we find ourselves in a pit. And Joseph found himself in a literal pit in the story we're about to read. Literally, from dreams to the pit. It's like, okay, God, is this some kind of cruel joke? And some of you may have said something similar. And today we're going to look at the idea that, okay, how do we get in the pit? How do we get out of a pit situation, literally and spiritually? In other words, how do we pass the pit test. And some of you, you would be more likely to blame someone. Maybe you say, well, you you have a victim mentality. And I want to encourage you, don't do that. Don't blame your parents or your spouse or your boss or your coach or the government or anything else. Instead, we can take responsibility and we can learn some character tests this summer And the Lord will help us with that. Now, as we study this story, uh, we're looking at Joseph's character, not his brother's character. And uh, you'll see that in a second. But let's turn to Genesis chapter 37 and let's read. Starting in verse 12. This is right after the dream uh, message last week. And we read to verse 11. And in verse 12, it says this. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went, uh, went to pasture their father's flocks in Shechem. When they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to his brothers, your brothers, or Jacob said to Joseph, uh, excuse me, your brothers are pasturing the sheep in Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I am ready to go, Joseph replies. Go and see your brothers, uh, Jacob said, and the flocks are, are, and see how they're getting along. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent them on their way. And Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home to the valley of Hebron. When they arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for, he said. How many know Joseph was a dreamer? Maybe he's out there daydreaming. I'm not sure. But he says, I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told them. They've moved on from here, but I heard them say, let us go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found him. 
them there. Let me pause for a second. It's interesting. Dothan is only mentioned in the Bible two times. One time here in Genesis 37, the other time in 1 Kings chapter 6 in the story of Elisha. And we don't have time to look at that story, but it's very interesting. In both cases, Dothan ended up being a place of discouragement and a place of difficulty. And it was a place of difficulty for Joseph as we read, the, as we continue, verse 18. It says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him from a distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Pause. Let that sink in. His brothers saw him coming, and they made plans to kill him. What? Not just to bully him, or to prank him in some way. They weren't saying, hey, let's give him a wedgie when he gets here. His brothers did not care for Joseph, and it's about to get real. Verse 19, they say, here comes the dreamer, right? They're mocking Joseph. They actually don't even know they're mocking God because God's the one who gave uh, Joseph those dreams. Verse 20 says, come on, let's kill him, what? And throw him into one of these cisterns, and the cistern would be a, a water hole. It could have been 10 or 20 or even 30 feet deep. We'll see here in a second that it was empty, so there's no water, no food, no special coat. Dad was not coming to the rescue of Joseph here. And look what it says. They say, the boys say, we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Wow. They're just right in the face of God's dreams. And ultimately, we're going to see that God's plan will be fulfilled through Joseph's life. But let's pick it up in verse 21. But then Reuben heard of their schemes, and he came to Joseph's rescues. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him in to the empty cistern here in the wilderness, and he will die without laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return to his father. So they did that, right? So Joseph arrived. His brothers ripped off his beautiful coat he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the pit, into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. And then... As they were sitting down to eat, as if nothing had happened, the, the boys were just going to keep on going, uh, and, and just the brothers were just going on with their life. They looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic uh, resin from Gilead down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, "'What will we gain by killing our brother?' What we'd have to cover up his crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to these traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. So maybe they did have a little conscience. And uh, all the brothers agreed. And that's exactly what they did. They sold him into slavery. If you go to, uh, ahead to verse 36, it says, Meanwhile, the, Med the, the Midianite uh, traders arrived in Egypt they, where they sold Joseph to Potiphar and uh, the officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. And so we see this story unfold before us, and it's crazy to think about. Joseph goes from one pit to another pit. He's sold into slavery. He's shackled. And that's exactly what we want to address today, is what happens when you're in a situation like this where you are out of luck. You are in a pit. And I was thinking, what does a pit look like today in our lives? What does it look like? 
Are we talking about a pit when you go to the beach and you take a shovel with you and you dig a deep hole and uh, so deep that you can't get out of it? How many have ever done that? You know, when you go to the beach, when, we, when our kids were younger, well, I'd take a real shovel instead of a little plastic shovel. We'd just dig and dig and dig and uh, as deep as we could. But that's not the kind of beach or the, the kind of uh, uh, pit that we're talking about at the beach. In fact, when I go to the beach now, all I want to do is sit there. <laughs> um, and my kids are grown. And so some of you with the little kids, take a real shovel. It's, it's more fun. But anyway, but what we're talking about when it comes to the pit test is what Satan's plan is for your life. Plan to kill, steal, and destroy, right? And the pit can look like a lot of different things. It could be a diagnosis from a doctor, it could be a traumatic event or injury. It could be when nothing seems to go right. Maybe you found yourself and you've had to file bankruptcy. Murphy's Law is full effect. Or maybe there was an affair and you're in a pit because of it. Or something was stolen from you. Or maybe you've been betrayed by a friend or a family member or a coworker. And discouragement comes, and you find yourself depressed. That's a pit. Or maybe there's divorce or abuse or some horrible trouble. Again, the pit is Satan's plan for your life to kill, steal, and destroy. Or maybe you're on a trajectory in your life, and you thought things were looking bright, and then all of a sudden, there's a mountain in your way, or there's a U-turn, and now it looks bleak. You're in a pit. Or maybe a pit is an opportunity lost. Something's passed you by and you're thinking, man, I've missed it. Well, Joseph was thrown into a literal pit. Maybe you've been thrown into the pit of unemployment for some reason. Regardless, the pit is a place of despair. It's a tough spot. And it can cost you a lot. And it's Satan's plan. And he would love to take you out and to take your family out. He would love to see your Christian heritage blown out of the window and that it wouldn't continue. It'd stop with you. And every time Satan is at work, you know that he's filling you with lies of accusation, lies of hopelessness. And I just want to say, don't be fooled by the lies of Satan. And the crazy thing is, we all may end up in a pit at one point or other. Sometimes it's due to others, like Joseph. His brothers were out of control. Or maybe it's due to our own, our own doing. Regardless, we need to ask the question, God, how do we get out of this pit? And instead of saying, God, where are you? And struggling, we need to be focused on a solution. But I've been there, just like you have. And I was thinking about it earlier this week. There was a season, and I told this story first service, uh, where Jessica and I had had a little uh, argument. And uh, I ended up leaving the house, and I was driving, didn't have anywhere to go. This is years ago. And, uh, and I was like, man. And I called up my friend Phil from Indianapolis. And I remember saying to him, I'm saying, man, how long do I have to struggle? Or how long does all these things have to happen? And, uh, and he talked me through it. And, but, but the th- problem is, we get ourselves in these pickles, and it's only God that can help us out. 
I don't know if you've ever shoveled pea gravel. I was a plumber on my day off for several years uh, when I was first married, and I would show up and, to work, and it was, he was an industrial plumber that I worked for at the church, and, and, uh, and he would give me a jackhammer, and I would use a jackhammer all day, or I would shovel pea gravel. And I don't know if you've ever shoveled pea gravel, but it's the worst, because what happens? Uh, you shovel a little bit, and it looks like you've done nothing. And after an hour of shoveling, it still looks like you've done nothing. How many have ever shoveled pea gravel? Come on. Have you ever seen it? It's, it's the worst, right? And it's just like over and over, and you feel like you're not getting anywhere. That's what it feels like when you're in the pit. But the problem is we cannot move forward in our lives until we get out of the pit, till we pass the character test. So how does it happen? How do we pass it? Well, you can get mad at God. You can turn away from your faith. You can become indifferent, get bitter, angry, resentment, right? That's like shoveling pea gravel and just not getting anywhere. Or we can learn from Joseph's life, and that's what we want to do this morning. And really, we get some insight into Joseph uh, and how he may have done this. And we see it not in chapter 37 of Genesis, but skip forward to two chapters ahead to Genesis 39. In Genesis 39, verse 1, it says this, and we'll set it up, and then verse 2 is the key. It says, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Pause there for a second. You got to realize, he's sold into slavery. No one is looking for Joseph at this point. No one was coming to his rescue. There was no Amber Alert. There was no search parties. Uh, They... His family, his, the brothers, uh, told the, his dad that he was gone, that he'd been eaten and uh, destroyed, and no one was coming his way. And someone may feel like that today, like you're all alone, like you're totally hopeless. But, the, but then look at verse 2. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. God's presence was with Joseph. Yes, he was shackled, most likely naked in a foreign country, being sold into slavery. And remember, he was the son of nobility. He was, the, he was part of the, the Israelite um, uh, clan, the, the 12 tribes of, of uh, Jacob, right? And in the natural, we'd look at this story, and we'd look at, Verse 1, he's being sold. He's out of the pit. Now he's being sold. No one would say, God is with Joseph. If Scripture didn't say it, we would think the same. In fact, we'd probably cast judgment, saying, oh, he's probably there for a reason. Maybe, uh, maybe he deserved it in some way. And just like he, God was there for Joseph, God is here for us today in the same way. In Psalm chapter 139, verse 7 through 10, you should write it down. It's God's nature to be with his children. Look what it says. It says, I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave or to the pit, 
you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. In other words, where can you go from the presence of God? And the answer is nowhere. He's always there with us, right? God is with us, even when we can't see it. And what does our God do? What was the key for Joseph? I think the key was that Joseph cried out to God. He recognized God's presence in his life. I was sharing this early on in the week uh, in, with, uh, with the staff and Pastor Jamie, our kids' pastor. She said, oh, you got to read Psalm, uh, Psalm 40. And so I did. I looked it up, and, and I love it. Look what it says. It says, and I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me, and he heard my cry. So I can just imagine Joseph crying out to God in the Lord being with him, like it says in Genesis. And then it says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing. I love that. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. And I can just, just imagine Joseph following these verses, crying out to God, turning to God, and for God to make the difference. And it's interesting. Even if someone else's sin has caused you trouble and put you in a pit, just like Joseph's brothers, even if you don't feel it, just because you don't feel the presence of God, it doesn't mean that it's not there. For Joseph, God's presence was with him even in the most difficult circumstance. And the presence of God resulted in supernatural things for Joseph. And we're going to see that as the story will continue over the last or the next several weeks. And the cool thing is that I just see Joseph crying out to God. And Joseph experienced this, and you need to hear it this morning that our God is big enough to get you out of the trouble that you found yourself in. He is. You may feel like you're in a pit. You may feel like you're, you're you know, totally lost, but God is there. In fact, I would declare over us that we are the generation, right, that God, God puts in our heart, that we are Joseph's uh, in this generation. God puts his hand on us and he gives us plans and he gives us dreams. And even when we find ourselves in trouble, he's with us and he brings us through. So what would be different in the trial that you're facing if you believe 100%, if you were 100% confident that God was with you and you could cry out to him? Well, that's what we're going to encourage you to do to pass this test we cry out to Jesus. We cry out to him and say, Lord, help us. Help us. We understand what God is doing. We ask for insight. We get help from those that need, that, that can help us. And today you might be here and you say, well, life is pretty good, right? And I would say, praise the Lord. That's a gift from God. But at some point, you're going to find yourself in a pit again. And what do we do? We cry out to Jesus we ask him for his presence to be with us. 
as I was uh, preparing and uh, doing the devotion that goes along with the 40 days, yesterday's kind of spoke to me. And on uh, day four, it's uh, uh, Mark Batterson tells a story of a family in his church that the, they had a son that actually fell out of a two-story window uh, out of their house, and it didn't uh, go well. Uh, they medevaced him to the hospital. They fought for his life for three weeks in the ICU, and thank the Lord, the son miraculously survived, but not without complications for his life. And uh, Pastor Mark Batterson asked this family to write a letter describing what had happened and kind of their feelings in that season. And he includes it in day four in our journal here. This is the father writing. He says, I began to interrogate God. Why, God? Why do little boys fall from windows? Why did my little boy fall from that window? Why him? Why me? And I looked to Scripture for answer, and it turns out that why God is not a new question at all. And then he goes on to describe John chapter uh, 9, where the man that was born blind, uh, they asked him, you know, who sinned? Was it, was it the man or was it the parents? And, uh, and then he, it, he tells that story. And then he continues. He says, since Eli's accident, that's the name of the boy that, that fell out of the window, Trisha and I have done everything humanly possible to make our son well. We spent tens of thousands of dollars on unsecured, or uninsured, I'm sorry, medical equipment. For the first three years after the accident, Trisha and I literally spent 80% of our working or of our waking hours in therapy. We had faith that he would be completely healed. We knew it was going to happen. So we just kept praying and kept waiting. We waited and waited. We knew that one day we'd be standing in front of a crowd saying, look what the Lord has done. He has completely healed our son. But that's not how it's happened. And then in the last little bit of his letter here, he says that after three years of doing everything they could for their son, it was time to accept his current condition and choose to live life with disability. This disability was something we couldn't remove, and evidently God was choosing to not completely heal Eli. So we had to burn our old scripts and this is the key. Look for what God could do in our new lives. So for the past five years, we've accepted life with disability. Just a couple more sentences. That does not mean we've stopped praying for our son. Like any father, I'd give my right arm to, for my son to be healed. But instead of getting discouraged or getting angry, we chose to look for what God can do. And that's what I want to challenge us to do today. At the end of that devotion for that day, Mark Batterson says this, sometimes God delivers us from our problems. Sometimes God delivers us through our problems. And today, if you're in a pit, if you're facing the pit test, your character and your decisions to get out, to choose to cry out to Jesus and to ask for help 
to cry out to him and let his presence lift you out of that pit. That's what God wants to do in your life. So I'm going to ask that we close our eyes this morning. I'm going to just ask that you just be honest with yourself. And uh, if you're in a place that feels like a pit, you're experiencing some trouble in your life today, I'm going to ask that you would just lift your hands and acknowledge that uh, before you and the Lord. Yeah. There are hands literally going up all over. Yeah. And I get it. We've been there. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to have us all to stand here for a moment. And uh, let's go ahead and stand. And we're, we have been planning for this moment all week long. In fact, Pastor Doug and I, we talked on Monday, and I said, hey, this is the direction I'm, I'm headed, and talking about discouragement, and talking about being in a pit, and, and uh, I said, hey, you know, just so you know, we can pray and plan, and, and he said, hey, what about this song, and, uh, and it's called Psalm 46, right, and it's interesting because it's been on my heart all week long. I've been singing this song over and over and over. And what I want to do this morning, for every single person that raised your hand, or even if you didn't, we want to sing this song over you. And you'll see how it, it makes a, a perfect tie to the, to the message. And then at the end of that, we're going to pray for one another. But let's, I want to pray. And then let's uh, enjoy this song. And then we'll pray for one another. Lord, I just thank you for this day. God, I pray that you would minister. God, I pray that you would work. In Jesus' name. I just want to read Psalm 40 one more time. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a solid rock and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. And many will see what he has done and be amazed. The truth is there's a huge majority of people that are here that raise their hands saying that you're in the thick of it. And I may not know the intricate details of what you're facing, but the Lord, he does. What I want to do is I want us to uh, turn and to pray for one another. Uh, and I want to just, I want to encourage you to be bold. If you're with your family, pray with your family. If you're here by yourself, make sure you find someone that you can turn and pray with, even if you have to move a little. And you may not know who you're about to pray for. You can introduce yourself quick, but I want you just to pray a blessing over them. Pray that God would be right there with them, that his presence would be with them. And I just believe that God is going to use you to pray for someone and let them to do the same. And so let's just do that. Let's just turn and pray all across this place, front to back, and just find someone right there with you, right in your aisle or the, right behind you. And again, let's make sure that no one is left alone. And so, yeah, let's... facing God, a diagnosis from a doctor, or traumatic injury, God, or might be facing bankruptcy or marriage trouble, 
Lord, I pray that for the, against discouragement, against oppression. Lord, I pray, God, that what the enemy has planned to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, you, you speak life. You give life. You pick us up out of the pit of despair. Oh, God, I pray that your hand would be with us, God. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that you would do a good work. Thank you, God. Lord, you're working, God. Hallelujah. Come on, just another 60 seconds. Pray for one another. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Oh, God, you're working. You're working, God. You're on the throne, God. Lord Jesus, I pray that your hand will be with us, God. We cry out to Jesus. God, we turn to you for help. Lord, that you are on the throne. You're the one makes a way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. In this world, we will have trouble, but take heart, the verse says, for the Lord says, I have overcome. You're overcomer. We're overcomers in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to attend to one other thing. It's very possible that you've shown up to church here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And we want to offer you the free gift of salvation. The Bible says that for all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, yeah, that's me, we want to say, look, Jesus is the one way to make it to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. And it's through Jesus that we're saved and delivered. And if you're here this morning and want to join the one person that first service gave their heart to the Lord, uh, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are, just so I can see that I want to pray for you. Anyone here, second service, saying, yeah, that's me. I need the Lord to save me this morning, this afternoon. Just lift up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Okay, yes, thank you. Yes, anyone else? Anyone else? If you're online and that's you, and uh, just type in the chat, and we've got some resources we want to get your way. Yeah. For the case of the one that was here, second service, let's pray. Uh, and just you can pray along with me and that believe this prayer in your heart. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. Sorry for the things I've done wrong. Lord, save me. Save. Take away my sin. Take away my sin. And help me to live for you. Help me to live for you. I put my faith and trust in you. I put my faith and trust in you. For all the days of my life. For all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we rejoice. And we've got some uh, material that we'd love to put in your hand. So on the way out, I'll connect with you um, for this young lady here. But uh, what I want to do is I want to just... Sing that chorus one more time. Doug, if you'd just sing us out and just sing it with gusto. And uh, let, let's do it together. Amen? Amen. God bless you this Father's Day. Have a great time this afternoon and this week. Look forward to seeing you all summer, right? All summer long. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.